Welcome to 2021. We're kicking it off with Your Money, Your Wealth podcast episode number 307, where Joe and Big Al go over some estate planning strategies for CFP candidate and Redditor Nate in South Carolina. They do a spitball analysis for John in Tennessee who wants to retire early, a retirement withdrawal and 529 education saving strategy for Ace in Texas, and a breakdown of pension options for James in Arizona. After Big Al figures out how to work his HP12C financial calculator, Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the podcast show notes. You see that big Ask Joe and Al on air banner? Avail yourself of that if you've got money questions of your own. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I'm, I'm not feeling confident this week, Alan. Why is that? I, you know, my prep for this show is... <laughs> I, I know, It's limited. <laughs> is it less than normal? Wait, what crap? Negative time? Well, uh, it's about seven seconds. Yeah. I just print out a bunch of email questions that Andy puts together for us. And sure. then I go in the studio. Yeah, okay. That's the prep. I mean, that's no different than in any other time. But there's a lot of long questions. <laughs> and complicated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you got to read them. And I got to read them. So, so this this might be so, a very terrible show. It might. It's going to be an easy show for me because I'll just sit here and listen. And it's hotter than Haiti in this it studio. Is, it is warm. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. It is. Woo! All right. That's why you guys started undressing when you got in there. Yes. <laughs> um, that is correct. Okay. Well, let's... let's. <clears throat> and I'm fighting a little bit of this cold. Yeah, so. Let me scoot further back. Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna lose my voice. Um, in the, the, you know, these our, our our listeners are getting a little out of control. Uh, I think we need to have a word count. I think so too, <laughs> because some of them they just say, "What do I do with a hundred thousand dollars?" And then we say, "Well, we can't answer that. We need more information." <laughs> and then you got these others. Holy page after page after yeah, page. And then, oh, well, then they finally get to the question that has nothing to do with what we just read. I, I know. <laughs> then, they, then they send other emails. Hey, I forgot to add this point, too. <laughs> after thinking about it, I'm like, I do integrate to... those in, by the way. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So um, I'm going to give it my best shot today. Okay. Let's uh, see, see what you got. All right. Hey, gang. Nate here from South Carolina. I'm preparing to take the CFP in 2021. Apparently, your podcast is quite the hit amongst many CFP candidates. I stumbled across your show because it was recommended on Reddit in more than one occasion. I dig it. <laughs> All right. I dig it, That's too. awesome, Nate. Um, plenty of diverse topics in real-world scenarios with the scope of the CFP. Uh, CFP Certified Financial Planner, folks. Uh, the jokes certainly make the subject matter easier to uh, digest. Fingers crossed I have a Roth conversion question on the exam. 50-50. Oh, without question. <laughs> well, that's very cool. I didn't know that we're a big hit with the CFP candidates. I had never there. heard of that in South Carolina. That that was that was that's great. Yeah, they sit around, drink coffee in South Carolina, talk and read Reddit. Read, read Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> and study for the CFP exam listening it's, to our podcast. Well, it's like those review courses have got to be just so boring. They want to liven it up a little bit. Got it. Um, all right. I would like to know what our pass-fail rate is. <laughs> Never yet. <laughs> I don't think we want to know that. <laughs> but people have more fun. Hey, these guys are great. You should listen to them if you want to fail. You know, I, I don't know about CFP. C CPA exam, I know all about that. Becker is kind of one of the top ones, and they say, you know, 95% pass rate if you do all this homework and stuff. Yeah. I think us, we're probably 
10. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, okay, um, here's this question. Over the, um, over one decade ago, oh, this sounds like a, the beginning of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I can see the letters yeah. coming through I mean, the screen. I mean, that's what the, this whole email looks like. You to better me. read it fast oh before the print God. gets smaller. Yeah, right. Um, I always have to rewind that too. <laughs> I remember, you know, watching the movie theater, you kind of miss what the hell was going on oh, with the I, Jedi and the Yoda. I, you know what? Next time we watch it, I want to have you read it. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Over one decade ago, uh, my father and I busted. A family trust by utilizing the Cytus states statutory Cytus language. State statutory language regarding uneconomical. Oh, where are we going with this, Big Al? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, fees outweigh income. So, all right. So they had a family trust. The fees were outrageous. Yeah. So they they they, they busted sh- it. They shut her down. They shut her down. <laughs> you could tell he studied for the CFP. Yeah, right. Young lad. Yeah, we busted this trust up, my dad and I, one decade ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> uh, in short, uh, he was an income-only beneficiary and was 50-50 principal remainder, uh, remainder beneficiary along with his sister, along with my sister. Now, the corporate and individual co-trustees of the trust would approve our request to terminate the uneconomic trust uh, without judicial oversight, as long as my father received a portion of the principal, with all parties unanimously agreed to. You like how unanimously? Yeah, that's, that's a new word. Okay, I, I knew it was going to be a tough show. <laughs> as you know, <laughs> we we could not disclaim it. I, I did not know that. Well, thank you, Nate. <laughs> Um, he didn't really. You, you, you must know that. Come on, <laughs> come on. As, as you know, you, you have a CFP, don't you? <laughs> All of us on Reddit, you know this stuff. Uh, he didn't really need the cash received from the trust settlement, so he and I opened a self-directed brokerage account, registered as joint tenants with Rights to Survivor. He is the primary owner. I'm sure this is the part of the show where you explain to your listeners what the benefits and disadvantages of registering property with joints with Rights to Survivor are. Can I request Al to do this? He doesn't want you to do it. No, now he's being a smart ass. (laughs) As you are aware, or likely aware, our intent was to invest the cash in marketable securities, and upon his eventual demise, I would take sole ownership and share with my sister. Okay, yeah, certainly we we were aware of that. Uh, Just how he writes. This is the future (laughs) of the CFP. Yeah, right. Who would want to work with this guy? (laughs) It doesn't have anything to do with your reading. No, I, I read like a CFP. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I know numbers. I yeah. get paid for numbers. All right. Because the value has increased, I am concerned about a few things. Uh, the first is providing to the IRS or the account custodian that the initial contribution to the Joint with Rice Survivorship account was 100% his at the time of the funding. As you know, the cost basis for a non-spousal account would receive one half step-up basis unless it can be proven that it was contributed 100% by a particular owner. That's my first question. Do we need to prove this to the current transfer agent before he dies? Or is this something I, as executor of my father's estate, would need to prove to the IRS when my sister and I get to sell the shares and re-register in our names? (laughs) All right. You want me to take over? Please. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, let's see. We'll just kind of dissect this a little bit. The first... 
he's making this so complex. Yes. He busted a trust that his dad was a beneficiary of. He was an income and principal beneficiary. Right. He was at a corporate trustee. The corporate trustee was gouging them in fees because <laughs> young Nate here is a studying CFP. He says, Dad, look at the fees that you're paying in this. We should get rid of it and bust it. Yeah. So they busted the trust up. And then they put it into a brokerage account. And because he's the beneficiary of it, he's like, Dad, put me on as joint with Rice or Survivor. And since I can't explain joint with Rice or Survivor because I'm an idiot, Alan, will you please take over? <laughs> sure. Let's start there. So in, um, in South Carolina, along with a lot of states, a couple main choices of title is joint tenancy with rights of survivorship or tenants in common. And they're... They're, they're somewhat similar. So it's more than one person owning property. Typically, joint tenancy is a married couple. And the main reason it's typically a married couple is because when one spouse passes, the other spouse inherits the, the, the remainder interest. And so you don't... And there's uh, an unlimited marital deduction. Yeah, that, that's right. So you see that less often between anyone that's not married. You can see it. In this particular case, father, son, yeah, that, that can work. Here's here's the problem with that though, and uh, you know, why are they titling that in the first place? Well, it it would be see the 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 reason they they tr they people try to avoid probate doing this and right. that doesn't work. So so you got a couple problems with this. First of all, the first problem is as soon as your dad puts you on as joint tenants, you actually have a he has a gift tax problem. Exactly, he gifted half of the asset to you. Right. So let's say it's a million dollars. So so basically half the assets going to you. Right. And so he has to fill out a gift tax return showing that he gave you five hundred thousand dollars. Right. So that's the first problem. <laughs> and and let's and and if he let, let's say you pass away, then it goes back to him. It right? doesn't go to the sister. Yeah. It go, it, right. And it, it's just it, it's a mess, really. So, so because of that, usually people do tenancy in common when there's when they're not married. I mean, if the main point here is trying to avoid probate, this, set up a living th trust this, and just name the kids it. as the beneficiary. Exactly. Like, let, let's say this goes the correct way. So your dad passes, he passes first, and you end up with the asset. Now you got the asset. Are you going to give half to your sister? Now you have to file a gift tax return, right? And show that you're giving your half to your sister. It's just a complete mess. So I, I wouldn't do that. Lastly, plus, plus there's no step up in basis. Right. Yeah, a gift. The thing about a gift is whatever the the giftees basis or giftors basis, I mean, uh, then becomes the giftees basis. The person that, let me do that in English, the person that gave the gift, whatever their tax basis was, becomes your tax basis as the person that received the gift. And lastly, my other concern, um, I'd like to add my sister to the account registration because the account has increased in value. And when it comes time to share one half of the account with her, I'd like to avoid making any taxable gift to my sister. If you remember... What the? If I remember what? <laughs> from earlier from, in his email. From his earlier. She is not on the account registration now. However, my father and I are. Yes, I just. In uh, him and his. Are you aware or not aware? And if you are aware, as you know, as you know, <laughs> Joe, please don't answer this question. Have Al do this one. Please give it to Al. <laughs> so, so the problem with that is the same problem in the first place. So now. Now your sister gets on title. Now there's a gift tax uh, a return from you and your father over to your sister. So anyway. All right. Nate, good luck on the CFP. 
Download our free estate plan organizer from the podcast show notes so your loved ones have all the information they need in the event something happens to you. It's divided into 14 sections ranging from the names and contact information of all your advisors, your account details, insurance policies, and your final wishes. Collect all of the relevant information, put it in the organizer, tell your loved ones where to find it or make sure that they have a copy, and don't forget to update it regularly with any changes. Get the estate plan organizer in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Got John from Tennessee writes in, hello, Andy, Joe, and Big Al. I would be embarrassed to tell you how many hours I've spent catching up on your podcast the last month or so. I have thoroughly enjoyed your show and look forward to them every week. Keep up the good work. I'm looking for a second opinion. I think you guys would be the perfect source for that. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Even though how pathetic it really is that <laughs> you're spending all this time on this podcast. All right. You want to get in the nitty gritty here, Big Al? You got your calculator ready? Sure. Because this thing is long. Okay. I'll pull it out. I got right. it out. Good. Actually, I brought mine today, too. Um, I am 47, married, live in Tennessee. And I often listen to you guys as I walk my little doggies. Uh, I don't know. What the hell is his dog's names? Shichon and Cavapoo. These are, um, they're actually um, mixed breeds. Chichon and Cavapoo. Okay. (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. You you could have skipped that. Yeah, whatever. I've been working for a large company uh, for 25 years and getting a little tired of the corporate executive grind. So I'm toying with the idea of a very early retirement. I don't know if, if a year or two down the road, I might get bored and decide to get back to work, uh, but I'm sure that if I do that, I won't earn, any, um, earn anywhere near the same amount of money that I'm making now, around $400,000. I would love to hear your thoughts on how I should be thinking about a general game plan uh, to utilize invest my assets to cover my expenses in retirement, but still provide some growth inflation protection. All right, so uh, here we go. Here's the nitty. Here's the numbers. John's uh, got a net worth of six million bucks, but one point five of that is equity in my paid-off home, which I would sell and downsize in the next three to five years, probably freeing up at least seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to invest after buying another home. The remaining four point five is split roughly a third, one and a half million in retirement accounts, almost all pre-tax, one point two million in four one k, two hundred thousand in IRA, only a hundred thousand dollars in Roth. And another $3 million in brokerage accounts and a mix of equities and bonds. I know you guys will make fun of this, but my retirement accounts are 0% equities. I moved all my money into fixed bonds once I recovered losses, uh, plus um, some from earlier this year. And the 401k funds are in a guaranteed 3% fund. By, by the way, there's the Cavapoo. That's, that's a cute looking dog. And this is a Shichon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The $3 million. I, I, wasn't, in, I wasn't listening. I'm looking at the dog pictures Andy's put up there. The $3 million in brokerage account is roughly 70% equities, 30% fixed. So the total net worth is currently split 25% real estate, 35% ish equities, 40% fixed income. <laughs> After the downsides, I would like to increase my equity exposure with about 750000 net proceeds, which would change my split to 12.5% real estate, 47% equities, 40% fixed income. I'm assuming annual expenses of roughly $100,000. We always lived well below our means. 
And based on last year's tax return, it looks like we'll generate roughly sixty-five to seventy thousand dollars of taxable dividends, interest, cap gain distribution, etc., plus another eight thousand dollars of tax-free muni bond interest. My wife also does some travel agent work, and will likely generate another twenty-five thousand dollars of income for that uh, next eight to ten years. All right, wants to spend a hundred thousand. He's got four and a half million. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I am just looking for general ideas or thoughts that jump to mind to you guys when you hear this set of circumstances. We would reduce taxable income by contributing as much as we can to my wife's solo 401k, which we just started this year. Contribute to my IRA if allowed, thinking spousal. The full HSA contributions, we would get health coverage that was HSA compliant. Already have an HSA of roughly $65,000 in it. With those deductions and our standard deduction, our taxable income would be very low. And I assume that means I should probably be converting some of the $1.5 million in pre-tax money over to Roth. I would, of course, balance that with Obamacare subsidy cutoffs. I know you guys will make fun of me for this, uh, mentioning that given my total assets. Yes, you're right, John. (laughs) You're very wealthy and you're worried about the subsidies. What else? Any other bright ideas? It feels to me like there's plenty of income and assets here to make a very early retirement entirely possible, but let me know if you see it differently. Some specific items that I have been considering. Should I just have a dividend interest? uh, um, Should I have the dividends and interest just distributed out to me instead of reinvesting? Okay. Should I supplement that with taking some capital gains each year, especially since I would likely be in the 0% cap gains bracket? Should I focus more on Roth conversion or should I maybe consider SCPP from the pre-tax account? So that's a separate equal periodic payment or a 72T tax election for those, you know, keeping score at home there. Look that's, at John in that his sophistication. Is, that's pretty there. good. What about the 750 net from my uh, proceeds from the house? I assume I should increase my equity exposure with those funds. One more note. I have a 19-year-old son, 16-year-old daughter, but we have more than adequate funded 529 plans for each of them and excluded those 529 balances uh, from the totals above as I'm going to keep them. Uh, I'm going to let them keep whatever's left. No need to preach a sermon about what are you guys going to do for the next 40 years. I'm sure we'll end up back to work uh, at some point. I'll likely get bored. But I wanted to get this plan in place. Okay. All right. Hope you guys have or had a great Thanksgiving, and I look forward to hearing any advice. Oops, I mean your thoughts, as I know you guys don't give advice. Your devoted listener, John from Tennessee. <coughs> All right. John, this is just a pure brag. <laughs> it is a pretty right? good brag. It's like, okay, here, I got $6 million net worth. Let me see what you guys think. <laughs> right? Can I retire? Can I retire? Nothing? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I have, I'm going to have about $4 million. It's like blah, blah, blah. I got the equities and this and that. It's very simple. Yes, you can retire. Yeah, so let's let's just really quickly. So $4.5 million, plus you get another 750000 <laughs> from selling your house. So let's just say you got $5 million, okay? And if you're retiring at 47, early retirement, we probably would want you to have no more than a 3% distribution rate, which would be 150,000. It's you're, called a two and a half. Yeah, two and a half, right? 125, you're at 100. So yeah, no, this looks really good, really good in terms of your ability to fund the retirement. Uh, and yes, have your wife uh, 
fully fund the, the solo 401k, uh, do the Roth component if you, if you want to. Uh, yes, HSA, that's a great idea. Keep funding that. Yes, you can do a spousal Roth, although you can't double up on the income. So if your wife has 25000 of income and she puts all or most of it in the 401k, you can't double up and then you do a, a spousal Roth on that. So just, just be aware of that fact. But yeah, no, this looks, this looks great, I think. And I don't really care how you take the money. If you want to take interest dividends, go for it. I, I think me personally, I, I would have kind of a periodic withdrawal from my account, you know, kind of create my own cash flow based upon rebalancing and, and what's what's doing well and not so well to keep the, a, a certain balance in my accounts. You know, in your particular case, I don't know whether a Roth conversion or capital gains is better. It just depends upon how many gains you have and what kind of investments you have. If you have if you have uh, poor investments and you want to rebalance and focus on that, if your investments are fine as is, don't worry about it. Just do Roth conversions. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would look at it as, okay, well, how much equity mix do I want versus fixed income? Yep. And so I, I would say, okay, if you're spending $100,000 a year, you know, he's going to go back to work. The missus is going to you know, be a travel agent making 25000 So he really only needs $75,000 from the portfolio. Yeah, and they get and they can travel cheap because she's a travel agent. Right, man. Yeah. He's smart. Yeah, right. And so, but why would you leave Tennessee? Hopefully he lives in Nashville. Um, then we could come and visit him. Yeah, that's right. So looking at that, I would probably have, let's see, he's got, what, what did we say, $5 million Yeah, call, liquid, it, call it five. Right? Um, I would probably have a, um, pr- probably a 70-30 split. Uh, fixed income. Um, 70% fixed? No, I would say the because other the other way, and probably 60 40. Yeah, yeah. Because right? he, he's still young. Right. And let's say you take 40% out of 5 million. What is that? 2 million bucks? Right. And so that would cover roughly 20 years of fixed income. Yeah, no matter what the market does. No matter does. what the market does. Yeah, unless you, you think we're going to hit a depression and never recover. And if that happens, no investments are good. Right. You could put it in CDs and cash if you wanted to be super conservative. And then on the 60% equity side, you would have a balanced, globally diversified strategy that's low cost, cheap, but um, that you would rebalance instead of looking at a dividend paying strategy. You know, you don't have to be cute with this. You know, hey, should I look at a you know high dividend yielding or high income yielding you know portfolio to give me the income and I'll just feed out the interest and dividends and let my principal grow? Yeah, that's one way to do it. But I would much rather have a a, a lot simpler strategy that's more tax efficient, that's probably a lot less expensive and a lot easier to manage. Right? You'll probably gain more wealth. So look at it as 60, 40, 40% somewhat saved short-term bonds. Right, As interest rates go up, you can reinvest those into a higher paying yielding. Maybe you put some preferreds in there. You could look at CDs. You could even There's all sorts of different fixed income vehicles that might get you to 1% to 3%. Who cares? You don't right. necessarily need it. And then on the uh, on the equity side, right, if, the, if there's dividends and interesting or, or cap gains, maybe you spend that. When markets are high, but when markets are low, you don't want to be spending the dividends. You want to reinvest those dividends at lower stock prices. So, um, yeah, I would want to keep myself in that low bracket by converting the hell. At 47, you could convert to $1.5 million probably over a 15-year period and then just compounding tax-free. You know, Because who knows? When he's 70, he's, we're, we're, our life expectancies could be 110. Could be, right? right? So, um, I don't know, man. I like it, John. I think you're you're, you're pretty tight. SCPP, how about that? You want to do them a separate equal periodic payment? Don't need it. Well, yeah, well, what that means is that John could have access to his money out of his retirement accounts um, 
before the age of 59 and a half without the 10% penalty, as long as John takes a separate equal periodic payment out of the overall retirement accounts. This could make some sense as well. Instead, of, But I like the conversion strategy better. But what John could do is say, all right, well, here's how much money that I have in, in qualified accounts. I'm going to take a 72T tax election, and I'm going to bleed my retirement accounts. Maybe he takes $15,000 out of the retirement accounts over the next several years. He keeps himself still in a low tax bracket, but he's taking the money out of the retirement accounts at maybe a 0% bracket given a standard deduction. Right, so that 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 could be an interesting play too, but I, I think I'd rather have them spend down the qualified and or non qualified and do a conversion. Yeah, me too. John, appreciate it. Thank you. So that's how the fellas spitballed John's retirement plans. Now, what about yours? Find out how ready you are for retirement. First, go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download Big Al's Quick Retirement Calculator Guide. It'll help you ballpark how much income you'll need from your investment portfolio in retirement. Then click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes and send in your situation and have the fellas spitball for you. Or you can skip all of that completely and click the big green Get an Assessment button at the top of the page to schedule a free, comprehensive, and personalized one-on-one financial assessment with a certified financial planner on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. There is no cost or obligation, and it's pretty likely that they can find ways to get more out of your retirement portfolio and plan. And it doesn't even matter where you are in the country, you can schedule with our advisors from anywhere. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get the process started. I got Ace from Texas. Ace. Ace, that's a great name. Sounds like a badass. <laughs> Texas, got a dually truck, I bet. Big old what, what do you think? Wolf dog. Probably uh, he plays poker all the time, oh, when you think? Yeah, smokes like really good cigars. I would think so. Yeah. Drink scotch? Sure. I... I, I Inspire to be ace. Uh, hey, YMYWT, I'm a longtime listener, first time questioner. Oh, look at you, Ace. Great show. Funny as heck. I guarantee he doesn't say heck. <laughs> well, he lives in Texas. But I ran. Oh, yeah. He's like, he probably says something else. <laughs> probably. I'm 51 years old, married, living outside of Houston in full sure, pronounced full. Sure. Sure. Full sure. Uh, driving a 2018 Blue King Ranch F 150 <laughs> with the, I told you it was a big ass, badass yeah, truck. Yeah, right. I wonder if it's Dooley's. Big King. Big King Ranch. Bet that's a, that's a big truck. Yeah. Um, he's got three be. Shetland sheepdogs. And we've got that on screen here. Okay. Cody Rocco and Minzy. Minzy. What about? Kuda voodoo. Kuda voodoo. <laughs> um, got two kids in college, UT Austin and TCU, and fully funded with 529 plans. Might even have a little left over. I will be involuntary retired in January 21st from a 24-year-old career in oil and gas with a pretty good severance in pension. Future job prospects in my area of expertise is horrible. Uh, my current portfolio is roughly $4.8 million. 3.8 qualified accounts mixed between 90% 401k and 10% Roth and 1 million in non-qual cash and stocks. I have two questions for your consideration. Okay. All right. I'm assuming worst case, I cannot get out. Uh, I'm assuming worst case, and I cannot get any significant employment in the future. 
I want the $1 million in non-qualified accounts to cover my $170,000 a year after-tax needs for the next eight years to get me 59 and a half so I can have access to the qualified money, which I think will grow to $5.7 million, and I'll be good with the 4% withdrawal rate. What would be an I-listic allocation for the non-qualified $1 million to get to cover $170,000 for eight years? That was idealistic, by the way. What did I say? Idealistic. <laughs> Not sure what that means. <laughs> it's, it, you know, means what's what's the what's the proper asset allocation? <laughs> That's what Perfect. that means. Idealistic. Yeah, idealistic. Idealistic and optionality and yeah, Ace yeah. knows what I'm talking about. That, yeah. Optionality is a word. Thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> Killed it. It is nowadays. I don't know if it used to be five years ago. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I added it. Um, all right. Does he want growth stocks, dividends, bonds, cash, money? If needed, are there any other strategies to dip into the qualified money ahead of 59 and a half? Well, we just Ooh, talked about it. You're, you're going to be really good on that. Oh, so, yeah. SCPP. 72T tax election. <laughs> all right. It looks like I'll have $20,000, $30,000 left over in the 529 plans. Original principal over the years was 50K. I assume I can withdraw the remaining. Uh, withdraw the remainder penalty free where the previous withdrawals automatically from earnings, then principal, or is it designated at time of withdrawal? Keep the podcast coming sincerely ace from Texas, <laughs> by the way, not Texan originally from Philly, Philly. Okay. All right. Got it. So he's chilling in Philly then buys a big ass truck with some sheep dogs in Texas. Got Houston. it. Got it. So, so what do you think? Do you, do you drain out the non-qual? And wait to 59 and a half, or what's your other strategy? Okay, let's talk about this here, because he's because, retiring at age 51. Yeah, and he's thinking, and if he takes a hundred, if he takes 170,000 out for, I don't know, for nine years, that's that's about a million, eight years, that's about a million. Okay, well, what's, what, hold Actually, on. Actually, it's one, it's, it's more than that, hold on. It's a million three sixty. Well, what's 170 divided into 4.8 million? Yeah. Four eight divided by one seventy. You're talking about the qualified. That's twenty eight. No, no, no. Hundred seventy thousand. What's the distribution rate? Oh. So he's got roughly four point eight million dollars. Three point eight qualified accounts. Okay, that's <coughs> a three and a half percent distribution rate. All right. So he's at a three percent burn rate, three and a half percent. But he also needs to pay taxes. Yeah. Right. True. Um, because he wants one seventy plus tax plus a cost of living. Yep. So he's at three and a half percent at fifty one. I mean, that is super, super tight. Ace. Is, it is tight. I it, mean, you're it, pr probably going to have to lower that a little bit. Right. So w what we're talking about is what is sustainable distribution out of the assets that you grow? So Ace here has $4.8 million, and he wants to spend 170000 So kind of the first step in any calculation that you want to run is just divide the $170,000 in the total liquid assets that you have to provide income. And in Ace's case, Ace is the case, <laughs> uh, it's 3.5%. <laughs> yeah. And at 51, we're probably looking at 25 to 3% probably. Yeah, I would say no more than 3%, mainly because most of this is in retirement accounts. So you got to consider the taxes. And 170 plus tax plus yeah. the cost of living. And at 170, it's a pretty high tax rate. And so what ACE's plan is, is that, all right, well, here, I'm going to blow through the million dollars of non-qualified dollars, burn that thing down, right? And then my, my qualified money, my retirement accounts is going to grow to $5.7 million dollars. And then I can take a 4% distribution there. Then I'm going to collect Social Security at age 67. And I should live happily ever after. But what is going to happen to Ace is that he's going to have zero 
type of liquidity because everything at that point is going to be in a retirement account that will blow him up, and I'm going to go long. It th- th- There's so much that he has to look at because I think this is what a lot of people do, right? I think this is advice that is very typical as well. Spend on unqualified. Let your qualified money grow. Don't take that money out until you have to, right? Because you don't want to pay taxes on it. But Ace is going to get blown up in the future, I think, with, with future tax rates going up. He's spending 170 which is going to put him probably in a higher tax bracket if everything is coming out of the retirement account. I would do something maybe a little bit different. Yes, I agree with you. I'm with you. So I would look at it, you know, I don't know. We haven't done a 72T tax, and we've talked about it twice today. <laughs> that might be an option here. I think it's a great option in this one. Right. So what a 72T tax election is is that you could take partial – you can, it, there's three ways to calculate the separate equal periodic payment. So it's an SEPP or 72T tax election. Because he's retiring earlier, he doesn't have any good job prospects, and so he's like, screw it, I'm going to retire, I'm done. So yeah, I would split up the retirement accounts and do an SEPP on one of them um, to cover you know, maybe 50% or 40% of his need to keep him in a low bracket. And then supplement the rest so he doesn't blow through all his non-qualified accounts. Yeah, I think I would do that as well. Uh, and then I would try to at least get some kind of at least part-time work to help supplement. Because otherwise, you, you run the danger of, of really digging into part of to this portfolio. Right. And I, and I think, I mean, so his job prospects aren't that great. But, um, you know, he's I'm sure he can find something. To, to his name least... is Ace, and he drives a badass truck, and he lives in <laughs> Texas. All he has to do is go anywhere and say, my name is Ace. <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up in his truck, right? Yeah, right. Hire right. me. With his three dogs. Oh, I'd hire you. You want to come to San Diego, Ace? We'll figure something out for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, yeah, find some part-time work. That three and a half, that makes me nervous, right? It's yeah. just too, at that age, it's just, it's too much burden on the portfolio. That thing turns on you, right? And all of a sudden, now that three and a half burn rate is five for a year? Because you're 50, it's not like, okay, well, we're going to settle down this year. <laughs> He's probably going to spend more than 170 Probably. The guy's in the oil business. He's making <laughs> half a million dollars a year, and all of a sudden he's going to retire and have all this time on his hands when he was a badass in the oil fields? <laughs> he's going to spend twice as much. <laughs> I don't like your plan, Ace. Learn more about the 529 plan and other education savings plans that offer tax incentives and those that don't, along with the rules, pros and cons of each plan, and all the rest of that good stuff by checking out our Saving for College educational video in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just got one more question coming up on today's show. This one is on choosing pension options, and you'll find a couple of videos on that topic in the podcast show notes as well. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to access all all of these free resources and to ask Joe and Al your money questions. We're a little bit behind on the emails. Yeah, we're finally, I think we're doing pretty good. We're finally in December. Yeah, right. So I apologize, folks. We We, try the best we we can. We do our best. I got James in neighboring Arizona. Hello, Joe. Did you write neighboring? See how he signed the the email? Oh, James. (laughs) Sorry. I don't read the emails, Andy. I know. That's why I'm telling you now. When, when, when they're hot off the press. So they're fresh. Fresh. Fresh in your mind. Yeah. And that's why it's such an awful experience listening <laughs> to me read aloud. <laughs> but people <laughs> seem to like it. They binge listen. <clears throat> I don't know how. I can't even listen to seven seconds of this <laughs> god-awful mess. Oh, uh, 
man. Okay, hello, Joe, Al, and Andy. Thanks so much for your podcast. It really does help so many of us as we consider our retirement strategy. I'm a few years away from retirement, and I would like to get your thoughts on how to handle my company pension option. The company froze our pension several years ago when they increased the 401k match. The pension does not have a lump sum payout option and does not adjust for inflation. So there is no COLA. I'm thinking it might make the most sense to take the 10-year period certain option and go towards our early living expenses while we delay taking Social Security and allow our other investments to grow. When I retire at age 62, the pension options I'm looking at are as follows. All right, 10-year period certain, 45 k annually, $450,000 total. Or joint with rights to survivor, 18.5, so 18,500 annually with no cost of living. And this is at age 62. Can you tell me, Alan, what the present value is of 18,500 dollars? Let's say 62, 72, 82. Let's run 25 years and let's run a discount rate of call it four percent. Okay. 289,000. Okay. Um, wow, that's it. Yep. If it's five uh, percent, it's um, two sixty. Yeah, it's slow. I mean, if you just take eighteen five into four fifty, which you can't really do, but that's only at four percent. So yeah, I mean, you look at the present. What you want to do when you, you there's there's two ways to look at it, I guess. Well, there's multiple ways to look at this. So for those of you that have a lump sum pension option um, or an annual payment, or in this case, James from neighboring Arizona says, all right, I got a 10-year period certain. What a 10-year period certain means is that he's going to get $45,000 a year. And if he dies the next year, the beneficiary is still going to get $45,000 until the, the, the 10 years. Or a joint with rights to survivor is 18.5. That will pay for both lives. So if they live until 105, 18,500 is still going to come to the overall household. So if he's get a 10-year period certain of $45,000 with no COLA, 10 years, he's going to receive $450,000 as he add up over that 10 years. So what you kind of want to figure out is what is the present value or what is the internal rate of return? So I did that wrong. I, I didn't. Yeah, that seemed way. Too it's, uh, it's actually the present value at 4% is... Um, 462. Okay. 462,000. Okay. So see what the company's doing here. They're, they're, it's usually the same or very close to that. Um, you know, and that's why Alan and I are a good team because I, I knew that was wrong. And then he was like, well, wait a minute. I had, I had a number in the future value button. I didn't realize. <laughs> got it. Oh, yeah. You got to clear out your calculator. Uh, I know. So 18,500 on an annual basis. Then you look at, okay, well, what is the present value of that 18,500? So you can make an informed decision. So you're making apples to apples. Because when people look at 445, 18,5, well, 45 seems better. But wait a minute, you're going to get the 18,5 for that many more years. So what is the present value of that? You can use certain discount rates of whatever that you think that you could grow the money at or inflation is. Or, or you, know, you can make your own assumptions here depending on how aggressive or conservative that you are. Yeah, if you think you can earn 6%, then the present value is 308000 right? So then maybe you just take the take the money, 45000 a year, and invest it at 6%. Right. So looking at – they usually, usually conservative you know, discount rates. 
And so the, it's usually the same, right? So 450000 if you take the 10-year period certain, or we'll give you a joint with Life to Survivor. And if you live to normal life expectancy, guess what? We're going to be out roughly $450. That, that's right. Or 450000 Same, same. We don't care. Same, same. That's actually usually how all these are run, basically. So it's same, same for them. Correct. So then you just want to make sure that you're placing this income into your overall financial strategy. So you don't have to spend hours upon hours to decide, well, look at all these pension options we have. In most cases, unless someone has impaired life expectancy or someone that lives, you know, you, you have ancestors that are still alive from the, you know, I was going to say something, but I'm, <laughs> let's say that you have very long life expectancy or okay. short life expectancy, you know, then you can kind of play with your own financial plan to see what makes sense. So um, he's got some other details here. Uh, let's see. We don't got a ton of time to, to go through all of this, but he's he's got some Social Security. Um, he's got the spousal benefit. And uh, if they delay, it's going to be around $50,000. He's got a portfolio of about $3 million. Um, mostly he's got tax deferred and 1.1 tax free. Look at this guy. Look Wonderful. at James. Yeah, right. He's killing the game. He's hoping to spend $165,000 annually. Current plan is to pull from the tax deferred to minimize the 12% tax bracket each year. Maximize. Maximize. And then pull the remainder from tax-free. I realize the tax brackets may change in the future, so this plan could change. Your general opinion would be appreciated. All right. You know what? I'm going to spend a little bit of time here, Andy. Sorry to keep yeah. going up the clock. No, go for it. Sorry. Because this is kind of the theme of today. Sure. How Blowing do up I the clock? Right. Yeah, that too. The what? Blowing up Blowing the clock. Blowing up the clock. Yes. Blowing up the clock too. All right. So... He's going to take $45,000, let's say, over the next 10 years. That's going to cover some of his living expenses. But let's do this math again first. This is where people, you always need to start. He wants to spend $160,000 per year. And he is 62 years old. Uh, yes, he is. When I retire, it's 62. Okay. Okay, so he wants to spend, hundred. oh, I'm sorry, $165,000 a year. So... He's going to receive Social Security of 50000 at age 70. Um, and then, let's see, Social Security at 67, well, 38 excludes spousal benefit. So let's call it, I don't know, $60,000 at full retirement age. So he needs $105,000. He needs $165,000 for about four or five years and sure. then about $100,000 thereafter. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree. Okay. Yeah. He's going to take the pension option of $45,000. So really he needs $45,000, $50,000 from the portfolio plus tax. Yeah. Exactly. You kind of with my math there? Yeah, 50, 60. Okay. Yep. Um, so if I look at $60,000 and if I divide that into $2.8 million. We get 2.1%. So 2.1. So it's, it's not bad. It looks pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Good uh, distribution rate. Okay. So first step, check, check that box. Okay. I, I think when you're retiring at 60 two, let's just say, 4% is probably too, a little too rich. Th three and a half is probably fine, right? Three yeah. three is, is better. Two is great. Yep. And so what he's looking at doing here is that, all right, he's got $600,000 outside of retirement accounts. He needs $50,000 a year. So he wants to take money from his pr um, retirement account to fill up the 12% tax bracket. Okay, so he could probably pull out I don't know, sixty thousand dollars from the retirement account to keep him with the standard deduction. Well, you're you're counting the forty-five he's already getting. Yeah, minus twenty-five. Yeah, and then get it up to eighty. Yeah, about. Yeah. 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 Okay. About. 
Yep. So sixty thousand, he's pulling from retirement accounts. Get him to the twelve, and then so he's. I mean, he's pretty good. Just almost pulling money from the retirement accounts. Sure. Um, but would you do that? Uh, no, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Where are you at? What What are you thinking? What's your What's your strategy over the Let's just call it five years. What's your five year plan for James? Um, let's see. What would I do? Sixty two. See that my problem was I. I got sidetracked. I wasn't really listening. So you you give me years. All right. I would not I would not waste that twelve percent tax bracket on income. I would rather convert to the top of the twelve percent tax bracket. He's six hundred thousand dollars that are sitting outside that I can live off of. So he's got the forty five thousand dollar pension. I would take the non qualifying cash to supplement my income and then I would convert to the twelve. Yeah. He's got one point one. I would convert that over the next couple of years. Then his RMDs are going to be fairly low, and he'll never, ever touch anything higher than the 12% or 15% tax bracket for life. Yeah. Because he's going to push his Social Security out to age 70, and if he if he gets a little bit more money into the Roth, his Social Security could potentially be tax-free, and we're talking almost $60,000 of Social Security benefit. So you would have to look at what the provisional income is going to be. So I would forecast that out. Look at half your Social Security plus the interest or whatever distributions are coming out of your retirement accounts. Um, I, I, that that would be my play. I would I would still want to get more money into Roth because then thereafter you could be in the zero percent tax bracket with a, a hundred thousand dollar plus income. Yeah, I think that makes sense to me too because when you're able to get so much here converted, then a lot of your Social Security will be tax free as well. So you get a double benefit that way. And and it's this is the case where you don't have to go into the 22% bracket or 24% bracket because you got enough years to get enough out to still stay in the 12% in the future. So, right. So yeah, I'm with you. Yep. So yeah, pay just a little bit of tax, get a lot of money out. All right. Thanks for the question, James. That was a good one. Behind the scenes on your emails, the Shichon and Cavapoo and my internet all make appearances in today's derails stick around to the end to hear them your money your wealth is presented by pure financial advisors click the get an assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call like i said earlier it doesn't matter where you are in the country and chances are one of the certified financial planners at pure will be able to identify strategies that will help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Hey, would you put Ace from Texas? He's not saying that. So, Yes, he is. That is actually how it's done. Or he does signed. he say, hey, YMYW team, I'm a long-term listener, first-time questioner? Remember, he when he fills out the form on the website, it asks for his name and his location, and then it yeah, has a fill. If he doesn't say it there, I would rather have it say sincerely here, because it kind of screws me up. Because okay. then I say it twice. All right. Just I, Maybe you put the, the where, he, where they put it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah. in a box on the form. You know, it's not really. No, like because he says sincerely, Ace from Texas. Now, if they don't actually sign their name because they put it in the box in the form, what do you want me to do? Then we blow them up and we say we're never answering these questions ever again. <laughs> Even though they actually put their name in the form? <laughs> well, no, then you can do whatever you want. I like the, the name up front myself because I don't want to go searching through the thing to find out what his name is. Well, Okay. Well, I don't care. Maybe I, that was a very terrible idea. All right. I'll, we'll, I like this way. 
I stand collected. <laughs> I'm gonna get a dog named Chichan and Cabapu. <laughs> Those are breeds. They're not names. Oh yeah, but that's what he would name them. <laughs> I know. You're a Cabapu. I'm gonna call you Cabapu. Cabapu, <laughs> get over here, Cabapu. Cabapu, get out of that trash can. What the hell are you doing, Chichan? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it shish how, how do you really say it oh boy all right anyway he he often does this Andy? because you say that she's frozen she's frozen oh great <laughs> or she's still thinking <laughs> or she, well, she's a deep we, we got andy on skype so i guess <laughs> she <laughs> or she hung up on us oh my gosh Am i, I swear andy's internet connection <laughs> is from the the stone age she, she um, looks deep in thought now. It's like she's still thinking about that question. <laughs> so, um, what do you think, Andy? Did, 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 did he call? Did he actually call? <laughs> I don't know. Let this, me look that one up. This is a hard one. Still... Wait, I can't reach my computer. Let me think through this through. This was probably a couple of weeks ago. Hmm, what? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh boy, still thinking. Still thinking.